Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today we've got Dr. Mark Muska, my friend, joining us for the whole hour. We're going to talk about prayer today. And as a believer, prayer should be something that comes to us as easily as breathing. Um, it, it should be something we think about throughout the day. We should be always practicing a presence of being connected to God, almost like we have a walkie-talkie ready to go at any moment of our day. And I hope that you uh, enjoy that kind of fellowship with God throughout the day and you can lean on him, rely on him, and trust in him, not only to hear every prayer that you pray, but to know that he will store that prayer in heaven and that your prayer matters. Now, Mark, uh, welcome back to the show. It's so nice to have you on the program today. Hey, great to hear you, Bill. So... I want to start, if, if you don't mind, by going into Matthew chapter 6, and let's go through the Lord's Prayer, because he created a model for us by which we should pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, I wanted to look at a little bit more in Matthew 6 and even a little peek into 7, because okay. he's, got, he's got quite a bit to say about prayer. So if you'll indulge me, uh, let me give a little context to this, and then we can get into that specific prayer as well in cha- uh, verses 9 through 13. But uh, for, for our listeners who uh, haven't read this portion of Scripture lately, a very famous passage here in Matthew's Gospel, early on in the Gospel, in this uh, whole passage from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, three whole chapters, is uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in chapter 5, 1, it says, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. He opened his mouth, and he began to teach them. And almost the rest of this in chapter 5, 6, and 7 is in red. And that's what we're doing, right? Is Red Letter Bible Day here? So, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, uh, Jesus uh, gives a sermon incredibly famous sermon. Lots of people have memorized these verses and used them and and cherish them in their life. And so I'm going to skip over chapter 5 and go to chapter 6 because here again in the context, uh, Jesus is giving them instructions in how to live. And he starts in verse 1 by saying in Matthew 6, 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before people to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So he says, don't be showing off all your religiosity, you know, the little halo around your head and everything like that. Uh, That, no, that's not the way it works. And then he talks about three things specifically. Starting in verse 2, he says, when you give to the poor— Uh, Don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do, but give secretly, he says. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing in verse 3. So he talks about the secrecy of, of, of giving to the poor. Do it privately. 
then in verse 5, and we're going to come back to this, he gets into prayer. And it's almost the same thing, Bill. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so they may be seen by men. But he says, but when you pray, go into your inner room, your closet, and pray in secret, and your heavenly Father will reward you in secret. And then third, he goes down and he talks about fasting. In verse 16 of Matthew 6, he says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. They neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they're fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. He says, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, and act normal because this is something you're doing with your father who in secret here, he's going to be the one who rewards you. So he uses the same language three times there for giving to the poor, praying, and fasting. Do this secretly. Do this inwardly. And your heavenly Father will reward you, but nobody else might even know what's going on there. Okay, so that's uh, that's part of what he talks about prayer in here, and we're going to come back to that in verses five through fifteen. And then I have to jump over to Matthew seven because he talks about prayer again in verse seven, very famous verses where he says, "Ask and it will be given to you; seek and you will find; knock and it will be opened to you." He says, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or as he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? They're praying. They're asking there. So, uh, very interesting. Jesus' guidance here. And I think he he must have uh, set them back on their heels a little bit with this because it was such, uh, it was non-conventional, Bill. This didn't fit what prayer, giving, and fasting looked like in the days in which Jesus walked the earth. He's he's taken them in a whole different direction. So, that's that's the overall here that we can get into and, and talk about more. So, where do you want to go with it? Well, I like this, Mark. Is there, there is, um, uh, we talk about private prayer, but there was also in the first century an, uh, a lot about communal prayer as well, wasn't there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's good. a very important part of our communicating with God, that we do it together with others who love Jesus and who are following him. And so you're right. This In this section, it seems like it's very personal to the point of being secret. You know, something that you're doing and your best friend, your spouse, uh, your brother may not know what uh, your your. Uh, your habits are here, what you're doing in secret. And so we can add on top of that foundation then uh, how we pray and the kind of prayers we offer with one another because that's uh, covered quite a bit in the the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So, Mark, let's just talk a little bit about why we pray because in verse 8 it says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Yes. Mm -hmm. So So maybe we can talk about motivation and and the right approach to take to God who already mm -hmm. knows what we're going to be asking him for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I might get in trouble with some of the listeners here, Bill, but that's okay. They can call you and not me. And so... (laughs) They'll, Thanks they'll a lot, friend. You. But uh, uh, seriously, though, I think prayer is one of the most powerful 
and yet maybe one of the most misunderstood and uh, um, malpracticed is that a mm. word a verb uh, that uh, that we we struggle with it uh, that it, it seems as though uh, we have uh, uh, it, it's of central importance communicating with God but it also seems as though two thousand year of Christianity prayer has often become overly programmed and formalized mm-hmm. uh, repetitive traditional uh, in that. And uh, in my humble opinion, Bill, that uh, that is okay for those that can continue to love God and be close to him by doing those things. But for a great many Christians, it can be a barrier to honestly talking with God. Uh, I honestly, Bill, I'm I'm resisting even using the P word anymore to talk mm. about communicating with God because mm-hmm. we fall into all of these all of these things. And many of us, we've had this since we've been little squirts. You know, what do you do when you pray? Well, you fold your hands, you close your eyes, you bow your head, and uh, that's uh, in one hand. I don't want to I don't want to nix that because that's a very good way to introduce children to talking with God. But you can see where that can go if you're not careful, where it becomes too hardened in and and it becomes something other than talking heart to heart with your father, with your friend, with the one who loves you and that that uh, the companion that we have in this life. So that that's a that's a big deal. Uh, okay, so that's my little rant, okay? And okay. From there if you want to go uh, places, let's go, okay? Well, Mark, maybe after that rant, which is an appropriate place to start, have we developed maybe some habits when it relates to prayer that may not be so biblically or theologically sound, but we say them anyway. Like we'll I'll oftentimes hear in corporate prayer something like, Lord, would you please be with us today? Well, mm-hmm. he's never left us. Right, yes. And uh, that's one of the, the uh, things I think that should catch, catch our ear when we hear ourselves praying that way or we hear someone else to say that very thing, Bill, that we've got promises all over the place in the New Testament that say that very thing that God is with us. He will never forsake us when two or more of us gather in his name. He is with us. There's promise after promise that makes that promise. And so uh, do we ask God to be with us then? Sometimes even beg him, oh, please, Lord, please, uh, you know, visit us today or something like that. Uh, that uh, it, can, it can cross a line uh, to the point where you can ask and uh, ask lovingly, of course, not to to put the person down, but to say, uh, do you know these promises in the Bible? And if you do know them, do you believe them? And so uh, talk to God as if you believe they're true, not uh, begging him to do things that he's already promised that he's doing for us in the scriptures. And and that might just be a habit. It might be a, a, a invitation. Um, Lord, would you please be with us? And because you feel needy or, or or anxious or exactly yep and, I agree Bill it's okay. it's it's a habit and I think you can probably get behind what the person really means by what they're saying but they usually don't explain themselves if someone says Lord please be with us in this uh, service this morning of the gathering of your church please be with us I think what they're asking is that they're asking for God to to visit and to be part of that service in a very powerful way where people are 
ministered to by the presence of God, and they they are uh, they are fed and they are encouraged by God making His presence known in the midst of that uh, body of Christ that has has gathered together for uh, church services. So uh, they usually don't take all those words to explain that uh, when mm-hmm. they say, uh, "Lord, please be with us today." And so maybe this is something that you know we keep praying the way we pray, but then afterward uh, talk about it among one another to say, uh, what what is this that we're ash- actually asking God for? It's It can get real sloppy if we're not careful, Bill, where we think we know what we're talking about and we think everybody else knows what we're talking about. And that can be an a iffy assumption to have that mm-hmm. people are understanding this in, in a true and a biblical way and not just falling into Christian jargon and uh, things that get repeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mark, talk about God's immutability, how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, uh, that is, uh, there's a scripture that declares that uh, immutable means he does not change. Now, we have to be careful about that and define that carefully, Bill, because when we say that God does not change, that means in his very nature, in who he is, he does not change. So he will always be loving, righteous, just, merciful, forgiving. I mean, you can list 25 things. Those things are true about him, and they'll always be true about him. They will never change. But we get into a a corner, if we're not careful then, to say, well, then God will never change anything that's happening in our lives if we talk to him about it. I've got a dear friend who is, uh, the doctors are saying he's not going to live much longer because of cancer. And so I'm asking God to, uh, to heal this person and to extend mm-hmm. and extend his life. Now, God, it may be that God is taking this man toward the end of his life. And by praying, does, does God change his mind then? Is that possible? I don't see why not. That doesn't change his immutability. He still is perfectly faithful and just and righteous at all times. But I guess what I'm saying is we can't put a box over God to say that he is relationally immutability, uh, immutable. Uh, there's a beauty of an illustration of this in Exodus 32, where the people of Israel have come out of Egypt. Moses has gone up on the mountain to meet with God, and meanwhile, they get into monkey business. Remember what happens there? Aaron creates this calf, and they start worshiping this calf. And uh, while God is talking with Moses on the mountain, he says, uh, you know, uh, stand back, Moses, get out of the way, because these people are sinning, and I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Moses, and your descendants. And it's really interesting. Moses then intercedes on behalf of Israel. And he says, no, Lord, don't do that. And in essence, what he says is that you are faithful. Think of what is going to be said if you've brought these people out of Egypt only to destroy them in the wilderness here. And he intercedes on behalf of these people. Don't do it, Lord. And then it says it right there in Exodus 32, God changed his mind and he did not destroy them. 
Now, does that mean he's immutable? Uh, immutability was broken? No, he's still the same God, has all the same attributes, but he has the freedom to be able to interact with us and to join with us as far as what he chooses to do. And that's not some uh, uh, some indictment of his immutability. Now, why would we get into all this? I think where you're going with this is that this is why we can pray with confidence that even if it appears as though God is going in a certain direction in what he's doing in the world or in our lives or the lives of the people we love, we can pray. And, uh, I mean, we could do another red letter on this one in the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus makes it clear that God is responsive to our requests if we mm. ask him, uh, he will respond. And uh, he doesn't, oh, I'm immutable. I can't change. Sorry, pal. You know, it's nothing like that. And just this in Matthew 7 again here where he says, ask and uh, seek and knock. It will be given. It will be open to you. Uh, this has a way of affecting what happens. Now, how that works, uh, that goes right over my head, Bill. I don't yeah. know how that God's plans and his immutability and that interfaces with our requests before him. But the Bible sure says it does, so I'm going to say that it does. Yeah. If the Bible says I just, it, I, I feel good about saying it. And Plus, I love how you just stumbled into getting yourself booked for another hour of the Red Letter Series. That's fantastic, Mark. We're going to take a break. Be right back with Dr. Mark Muska. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6 and go through the Lord's Prayer when we return. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, host of the Afternoon Show, and I have to say pastor appreciation is one of the easier things to do. I made out a list of 721 things I wanted to say thank you uh, to you for, but because I'm, I guess, apparently limited to like 40 seconds, I'm not going to be able to get them all in. But that doesn't mean I don't uh, appreciate you and the hard work you do. I know there. It's not a cakewalk. I know there's discouragement at times and, and loneliness, and there are times when you probably get discouraged. But I just want you to know that we love you and care about you, and we want to encourage you in every way possible. Thank you for what you do, and God bless you in all of your efforts. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. We're continuing talking about prayer. I can't get enough of this topic. And Mark, before we move on to the Lord's Prayer, I want to go back to immutability just for a minute because sure. a friend of mine said to me a couple weeks ago, I just don't think God's listening to my prayers anymore. Mm. And I just want to say, no, he never changes. So he'll always listen to your prayer. I think what he meant was, I'm not getting my prayers answered the way I want. Right. Yep. That's the tough part about this is that we uh, we deal uh, with God in an intimate way in our friendship with him and mm -hmm. relationship with him and communicating with him is part of that. Requests are part of that communication and uh, God uh, will, uh, he responds to those requests. He either says yes or he says no or sometimes he says wait. 
before mm-hmm. he's going to do something. And I I am terribly impatient. I know enough about you, Bill, that you have that weakness too. And it's <laughs> real hard for us to wait for God because his timing is almost long, almost always longer than ours. Uh, that we want, uh, you know, we want this and we want it right now. Have you ever asked for patience and I want it right now, Lord? You know? Yeah, right. Uh, well, okay. Uh, and so I think your friend, uh, this, this is a very difficult thing, though, when you have heartfelt issues going on in your life and people you love are in real trouble or they're making awful decisions. Mm-hmm. You want to see God work and he just doesn't seem to be doing anything. That is a very difficult circumstance that I would guess almost all of our listeners can identify with in one circumstance or another. But this has the has the uh, the effect of uh, confirming to us that God is God and we are not. And if we are truly devoted to Him, that means uh, it's even when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death that uh, God is still with us and that we can trust Him even though things don't it, it doesn't look like He's doing anything at all. Mark, I heard a sermon years and years ago. I- Pastor said that about 90% of what Scripture teaches about prayer is about worshiping God, praising Him, glorifying Him, and about 10% is about petitionary things. And he said, we've sort of flip-flopped those those numbers. Do you agree with that or not? I don't know. I'd have to do a, a study on that exact sure. percentage and everything. But yeah. I think the idea is there. I don't know about 94%. But yeah, we, yeah. Certain, we certainly uh, narrow the focus of talking with God so much of the time into requests. And if we're not careful, it can distort our relationship with God where we don't— uh, interact with him as we do with a loving father or with a friend or a companion, and he turns into this cosmic vending machine in the sky where it's give me this, give me that, give me the gimme, 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 and we only talk to him when we have needs. Right. Now, nothing wrong with talking about him, uh, to talk about things when we have needs, but there is so much more there to simply enjoy talking to God and to uh, give thanks for the things he has done and to uh, worship him and, and uh, think in terms of gratitude toward him of, of what he's done in, in our lives. That, that is a very powerful part of, of uh, talking with God. And what it does is it sometimes helps us to get our eyes off of all of these serious and difficult things and, off of the, and into the good things that God is doing and will be doing in our lives. And it can be a good attitude shifter. Mm-hmm. Mark, have you ever been in a situation where you're with brothers and sisters in Christ and they say, well, let's pray, and then you just leave it at that and you just you just pray prayers of worship and adoration to God? Or does it always start with, well, what are the prayer requests? Yeah, uh, that, uh, I don't know. Again, I, I haven't taken a poll on that, but I think okay. you might be on to something there as well that it's, it's great to be able to join together with other Christians and just remind ourselves and each other just who this is we're talking to and the greatness of the opportunity to be able to 
converse with the living God, the creator, mm-hmm. the one who has made us and who loves us more than we love us. And so that uh, I think it, it, it at the very least, Bill, is a great reminder when we go to prayer. And that, I mean, that's a, a great lead in to how Jesus helped frame for us our prayers in, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, because mm-hmm. it starts, starts out with that of talking to God about who he is and just enjoying that thought of who God is. Mark, one of my earliest spiritual mentors taught me this, and I think it was in seventh grade, and he said, develop um, a prayer pattern habit of praising God for things that aren't subject to any kind of change. Mm. Um, Thank him that he went to the cross and died for your sins. Thank him that he rose from the dead. And he he said, you'll develop a, a sense of thanksgiving that you've got this Thanksgiving muscle. So when circumstances come into your life, you've been strengthened throughout all these years of praying for things that aren't subject to change. Yeah, that's. I think that's wise advice. Uh, there's a lot to be said for an attitude there, uh, yeah. attitude of gratitude and thankfulness. And that cuts across the polar opposite of that, of course, is moaning, groaning, and bellyaching and carrying on and, and just uh, being Johnny Raincloud all the time about everything that's happening in your life. And so uh, I, I think there's uh, there's a, a, what would you say? It's almost a conditioning of the mind and the consciousness to think on the good things of God and then the context of that to come with our needs and our requests that we're waiting for him to do his work. Yeah. Well, I can do, I can do the Johnny Raincloud, just so you know. Oh, I'm not yeah. letting myself off the hook there. I'm just saying from a very early on, I, I got into a habit of thanking God for things that are never going to change. Yep. My name is written in the book of life. Praise him. Thank him for that. So when circumstances come into your life, you have a habit of thanking him for things that are never going to change. Yep. Yep. And it's a good place to start before we get into the things that we would like to see him change. So. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, let's start going through uh, Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Uh, well, in this, uh, when he talks about uh, you know doing things in secret, uh, he says giving and praying and fasting. He turns to prayer in Matthew 6, 5, and I'm just going to read it. He says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And now here we go. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. And at the end mm-hmm. of that, he throws in a little bit here. He says, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly, fathers will also, heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So uh, very powerful what Jesus has to say there. Mm-hmm. Let's just look at this beautiful model which Jesus has given us. We start with a a corporate appeal to our Father, not my Father, but our Father. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, we're praising his name and we are recognizing his uh, awesomeness and his, his kingdom and his will. And yep. so we're really saying, Father, it is all about you all the time. Yep. So it's our Father who is in heaven... Uh, holy be your name is really a way to say that rather than hallowed, but holy yeah, be your like name. That. You are one of a kind. There is none like you. You are unique in a class of your own. And so that is recognizing who he is. And I like what you said there about the first person plural, that it's our father, uh, not just my father, but our father. And then he gets into his uh, request there of talking about how he desires for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's done perfectly in heaven. So mm-hmm. please, Lord, uh, may the good and the right and the pure and the loving be done here on earth because we know that's the rule of thumb in heaven. And so he's he's making that uh, petition for the the goodness of God to be poured out on on the earth as as it is uh, in heaven. So, a very very powerful prayer. And, and Mark, when it says, "Give us today our daily bread," does that mean our daily needs? Yeah, I think that's what it's getting at here. Uh, I don't know if Jesus is thinking this. I may have to ask him someday if I get up, up the nerve. But he may <laughs> he may be making allusion here to how the Israelites depended on the manna every day in the wilderness for their daily needs. You know, for food, it was it was all there. They could not store it up. They had to trust God every day for that manna to come, and that was their source of food during. During those years in the wilderness, and so this is a a great connection there to you know give us our daily bread, Lord, help us to uh, to our our daily needs to be met, and it and it sounds like it's a one day at a time type of thing, and that sure cuts, cuts across a whole lot of us in the United States with such prosperity, where we have our long-term savings and retirement accounts and so forth. And so it seems as though we're, we're pretty fat and happy as far as not having to worry about anything tomorrow as far as daily bread is concerned. So this is a little bit of a wake-up call for us here to, to look to the Lord. I like the specificity to say, you know what, tomorrow is going to bring all kinds of things, and Lord, please uh, provide for us tomorrow with whatever. Mm-hmm comes, uh, good or bad or in between, so that uh, we can honor you in the way we live. Yeah. And Mark, I just want to have sensitivity to many, many people listening to us speak right now who have food insecurity tonight. They may not get a meal. So exactly. um, I, I want to have sensitivity that people's needs are critical and they may not even eat tonight or eat in the morning. Yep, yep. And so uh, this is real life for yeah. 
many followers of Jesus. This is not something abstract at all. All right, we'll take a little break. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest and my friend, and I like both that he's willing to come on and talk about prayer. It's so critical in our lives that we communicate with God and that we understand um, how much God wants us to be in fellowship with him. And we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, actually through 15, and we'll take a short break. If you have a question or comment, you can let me know what it is, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest, and we're talking about prayer. I love talking about prayer. I hope you do, too. Mark, I want to ask you about a person's identity and how they approach prayer based on that. Let me give you a, little, a few statistics that Max Lucado, the author, came up with. He surveyed almost 10,000 people. And 50% feel as though they've stumbled one too many times for God to use them. 45% said they felt closer to a breakdown than a breakthrough. And 92% uh, feel as though they're part of the tilted halo society as opposed to the super saint association. And I think to myself, how are you going to approach God in prayer if you're having all this baggage? Right. Yeah, that's... uh... That's going to be a real challenge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that this uh, uh, it brings up, I think, a bigger issue, Bill, and that is as as we talk to God and we communicate with Him, it's just great to be able to have Him communicating to us too and uh, speaking to us. And of course, the major way He does that is through the Scriptures, through His Word. And so, uh, to combine those two is a very powerful thing. And many, many Christians, I think, would say a hearty amen to this, that this has made their time in the Scriptures come alive when they pray and they talk to God about what they're studying. And then uh, the Scriptures make their prayers come alive because it helps them understand uh, who they are, who God is, what life is all about, those big questions, and especially this thing with identity in Christ. Uh, we've talked about this many times on this show, Bill, that uh, it is a great challenge that we need to uh, to take on as Christians is to shape and form our beliefs around who we are in Christ and what that means. And uh, that is just of the, uh, the essence of importance. You avoid so much of what you just described there with those statistics. If you know who you are in Christ from what the scriptures say about you, that you can almost exhale and, and uh, take a sigh of relief to say, okay, yes, I belong to Jesus. And these things are true about me. And I can believe them because they're in God's word. And that, uh, that it's, it's a buffer against then other people trying to tell you who you are. Uh, mm-hmm. that you're just a bum or you're no good or you'll never amount to anything, uh, something like that. Uh, it, that. That kind of stuff has a tendency to bounce off if you've got a clear 
read on who you are in Christ from what the scriptures say about you and who you are in Christ. If, if, that's, if that's resonating with anybody that's listening to this right now, I strongly urge you to start in one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament that helps us understand who and what we are because we belong to Christ. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul itemizes for us Blessing after blessing we have received from God because now we are united with Christ. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Uh, let me just read a couple of these, Bill. Love, after after his, his greeting in Ephesians 1, he says in Ephesians 1, 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Not in you, Bill, not in me, but in Christ, we have been blessed. So we are joined to Christ. We have been united with him forever. And because of that, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then what's really cool is for the next uh, 10 verses, he itemizes all of that from verse 4 to 14. He talks about who the blessings we've received from God because we're in Christ. He says in verse 4, he says, just as God chose or elected us in him before the foundation of the world. Did you know that, Bill? Your name was written in God's book before Adam and Eve were ever running around in the garden naked. <laughs> You realize that? It's mind blowing. It it makes you sit up a little taller, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And you yeah. stick out your chest a little bit more and say, "Whoa, really? That's true. That's just one of these blessings." Okay, that we would be holy and blameless before God in love. He predestined us to be adopted as His children through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. And Bill, that's only two verses. There is another 10 here that describe who we are in Christ. And this helps us then when we pray, when we talk with God, to believe these things and say, you know, God, I feel like something that got run over in the road right now, if you want to talk about how I feel about things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you tell me that I am your son, I am your daughter, and you arranged that before you created the world that I my name is in that book thank you god and you know what i'm going to believe that and the more that you read that and believe it the more it sinks in and the stronger you get to fight off all of those people who want to harm you by insulting you and telling you you're a bum and all that. No, you're not. You are the recipient of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul himself understood this was going to be a challenge for the Ephesians. He gets done with this whole schmeal here in Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 and then Look what he says in chapter 1, verse 15. The next thing he says is, For this reason I too have heard of the faith in our Lord Jesus with exists among you and your love for all the saints. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Isn't that cool? Paul's praying for these guys. But now listen to what he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Those are three knowing words. You hear that? He wants to give you a spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he wants us to know something. And in the next verse, he says it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened so that you will know, there's another knowing word, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of the power toward us, his power toward us who believe. He wants them to know three things. They'd be enlightened so their eyes would be open to this. The hope of his calling, the riches of a glorious inheritance in the saints, and what the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. What is that? Well, then go read it again in verses 3 through 14. He just got done summarizing all that. But you see what he's saying? This is all true of you, Bill Arnold. But I'm praying, God, help him to see it. Help open his eyes so he realizes it and he comprehends this. This is who he is in Christ. All these things can be true about you, but if you don't see it, you're not going to act according to it. You're going to let other people determine how you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, If I can tell a story, Bill, I don't know if this is even true, but it's a story about a man who lived uh, down in East Texas a number uh, uh, in a previous couple of centuries ago. And he lived on a very uh, uh, poor farm. He tried to farm. He he lived from hand to mouth. He was in poverty his entire life. And he lived alone in this little the cabin there on this property. Well, the man lived and he died and he was buried. And years later, uh, there were some prospectors that came through this part of East Texas and they were drilling drilling some uh, uh, taps into the ground. And they discovered that on this man's property that he formerly owned was one of the largest oil uh, uh, reserves in East Texas. That this man owned all of this, he was fabulously wealthy. He had all this oil on his property. But because he didn't know it, because his eyes weren't open to it, he lived like a pauper all his life. Hmm. And now think about that. How many Christians are living like spiritual paupers, talking themselves down, thinking the worst things about themselves because they don't see it. Their eyes aren't opened to those three things again. One last time with feeling here. He says that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. That is who you are in Christ. Whoa, that's fantastic. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. We'll take a break. We come back a little bit more on prayer. We're going to look once again at Matthew 6. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Dr. Mark Muska is my guest. We're talking about prayer, and I'm loving this time with him. Before I get to my question, Mark, I'd like to get to uh, Becky's question that just came in on the text line. Sure. My question for Dr. Muska is, how can we encourage young believers to pray out loud? Our mentoring group is studying the prayers of the Bible and would love to teach the young ladies to be bolder in praying in our small group. 
Yeah, that's a great question. It takes a lot to get people over the hump at times with that, to be able to pray out loud mm-hmm. in a group like that. I can't tell you how many students I talked to, Bill, that refused to pray out loud because they just thought they were no good at it and they were going to embarrass themselves. They didn't know how to pray these flowery prayers that their pastor or their Bible study leader prayed and all these expectations that they thought they could never raise. And so they kept their trap shut, even though they had plenty to say to the Lord. And so uh, there's all kinds of things that you can do, uh, though, to encourage that. Uh, For one is to uh, invite uh, people to uh, write down uh, a a praise prayer that they would like to pray to God that would just Mm -hmm. be one sentence long, you know, maybe pass out some three by five cards and give them a couple minutes and uh, put that down. And then just have everybody go around the circle and read what they wrote on the card. Yeah. So so they don't have to sit there and extemporaneously think of what they're going to say. They've already got it written down. And address it to the Lord and just say, Dear Lord, I thank you that you've been so merciful to me when I felt so lonely. Thank you, mm-hmm. Jesus. You know, something yeah. like that. Just very brief. And just, uh, you know, get them, uh, reassure them that they can pray out loud like that and to— uh, uh, to uh, make their uh, make their requests known, make their prayers known to God. Another great way to do this too is to encourage uh, the girls to say Amen if they hear somebody else pray and they agree with it. That's what Amen mm-hmm. means. It means I agree. Yes. Yep. <laughs> And yeah. so it, it, it at least gets them to vocalize a little bit. The best way, I think, probably is going to be, though, to pray one-on-one with these young women and just you and one of them and just say, you know, when the time comes, you just go ahead and say what's on your heart. Tell God exactly what you're thinking, exactly what you're feeling, and uh, I, I'll be here with you just in nice. case. You don't know what to say, you know, and then from there, maybe move on to larger groups. So yeah. uh, group prayer is something I, I'm amazed, Bill, how unpopular it has become with the under 35 crowd that mm-hmm. they they just are uh, paralyzed by it for the most part. Mark, I remember you telling me about something you used to do in your classroom where you would allow each student to have one line and that was it. Oh, that, that's, it can get real frustrating if you have a group prayer time. Uh, I used to break them down into groups of about four or five people, and they would pray together, but they were limited to one sentence, and it right. couldn't be run on with multiple commas and you know everything like that. Right. Just one thought, but then uh, what I encouraged them to do was build your prayer on what the other people say. So if they say, the first person says, Lord, I thank you for your loving kindness to me. The second person, yes, Lord, you have proved yourself to be worthy of my worship. Third person, yes, Lord, I love you and I will never let you go. And on all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're constructing a prayer together as a group. And it's not just one individual prayer after the other that's going around. I mean, again, this gets so regimented, Bill, you know, we'll pray and you have to go around in a circle one by one, you know, the person over on the end can't jump in before his, his or her turn, you know, <laughs> and you, you got to do all this. We, we seem to try to regiment it so much like that instead of recognizing, hey, as a group, we get to talk to our loving heavenly father, uh, to our friend, to the one who has saved us. Let's talk to him together, you 
know, mm-hmm. and, and get it going. So, what what would be a, a scary prayer if you said, "Lord, break me, break me yeah. of anything that's keeping me from total surrender." Yeah, uh, those are very dangerous prayers. You know, I know. You better think about it twice before you say something like that. And even uh, even more serious that many people don't take seriously is that if you make promises to God or if you make vows to God, uh, you may not take it seriously. We live in a world today that people make promises and break them left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, consistently in the scriptures, God takes those kinds of vows and promises very seriously. And so if you promise to do do something, uh, you better be ready to do it. Otherwise, wait. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world to wait, Bill. If you're not ready yet to surrender everything to Christ, my advice would be to you, then don't do it right now because it wouldn't be sincere. It wouldn't be true. I hope you don't wait forever to make that kind of commitment, but take the time you need to think it through and to talk to God about it. Nothing wrong with praying, God, I'd love to be able to tell you that I'm going to give you everything in my life, but I just don't know if I'm sure, Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say right now. Help me to understand what it's going to take for me to make that kind of commitment. And, and instead of some formalized prayer bill, you actually start talking to God like he's a person. Mm-hmm. And 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 sharing what's on your heart, uh, that's another thing that I encourage uh, students to do is uh, to take just a few minutes in prayer, maybe three four minutes. But in that time, talk to God ex- what exactly is on your mind and heart. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is, if it's about school or somebody of the opposite sex or your parents or the Bible or God or church or whatever it is. Talk to God and just tell him what's exactly on your mind. You would be surprised how many people stammer and stutter trying to do that because they're not used to it. They think, oh, I can't talk to God about what I'm really thinking. Right. He'll have he'll have Gabriel send a, a lightning bolt and I'll be a grease spot, you know. I can't tell him that. Yeah. Well, you know, David sure did in the Psalms and others did too. Uh, uh, that uh, It helps break through some of that, uh, that falseness of thinking that we have to talk to God just about the sunshiny things in our lives and not really uh, get into the nitty gritty of what we're going through in life. The questions we have when we're afraid, when we're struggling, all of that. Uh, You read it already in Matthew chapter 6. God knows it already. You're not fooling anybody. So you might as well admit it to yourself and to him and talk about it with God. Yeah. Mark, I wish I brought this question up sooner because we only have a minute left. But, and lead us not into temptation. The Greek for temptation can also mean, mean testing, Mm-hmm. Uh, which one is it? Is it temptation or testing? Oh, it's both. It depends okay. on who is doing the, th- the stuff. That any given challenge in your life, you can see it as something Satan may use as a temptation to bring you down, or God can use it as a way to build your character. So it's the difference is the intended ends of what mm-hmm. you're being challenged with. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, God challenges us not to bring us down, but to see us become stronger. But Satan is m- plenty happy to try to tear us down and cause us to fall into sin. Yeah. Thank you, my brother. It's been great being with you. I loved this hour. I'm going to go back and listen to it tonight so I can learn everything that I might have missed. So thank you once again. Bill, it's always great to be with you. Thank you so much. Dr. Mark Muska has been my guest. Please go to the website to myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast if you miss 
missed any of this hour. That's our show. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.